Good evening, everybody. Not that you know it's evening. You could be listening to this in the morning. And welcome to the Things Can Only Get Banter podcast, an educational podcast supporting the Labour Party. My name is Alex, and tonight I would like to introduce to you my co-host, Michael Butcher. Hello, Michael. Are you there? Hello, listeners of the Things Can Only Get Banter podcast. I am Michael Butcher, Labour candidate for Cricket Green Ward in Merton. Exciting times. Now, part of the purpose of this podcast is that we want to tell you, the public, how local government in the UK works. And I thought there's no better way to do this than get Michael on, have a chat and uh, sort of get him to tell you a little bit about his uh, campaign to become an all-powerful councillor in the uh, ward of Cricket Green, Merton. So without further ado, Michael, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Certainly. Uh, my name is Michael Butcher. I have been a member of the Labour Party for seven years, and I am standing for the ward of Cricket Green in Merton. And I am standing this year at the local elections on the 5th of May. And I'm very excited to be a Labour candidate, but also to be on this lovely podcast with you, Alex. How charming, Michael. How charming. Well, my name is Alex. Uh, I'm going to be the co-host of the Things Going to Get Banter podcast. I will be uh, chronicling Michael's journey towards council success for the ages. And hopefully providing my own wonderful insight along the way. So I'm also a member of the Labour Party. Um, I've actually been a member for the Labour Party longer than Michael. I joined all the way back in the dark times of 2013. But uh, unlike Michael, I have achieved nothing during this time. But uh, there is still still time to come. Um, Jeremy Corbyn was nearly 90 years old when he was elected leader of the Labour Party. So uh, my, my, my time could be around the corner. And I have an allotment. So... Uh, I do so have you're that well on the favor. way to leading the I, socialist campaign group. I have an allotment. I don't own a bicycle yet. I do use public transport everywhere, so the bicycle is the next step. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's, it's only a matter of time before my star outshines Michael's and I am uh, in, in charge. So at the moment, my sole contribution to... Labour politics, if you can call it a contribution, which is very, very generous, is this podcast. Okay, so let me just have a look at our points of discussion for this evening. Ooh, so I think uh, I think discussion. We... points of discussion, indeed, Michael. Well, I think we've gone over um, pretty uh, pretty well there. Kind of why we decided to uh, sort of start this podcast. Do you want to give us any input on that? Well, didn't you say your initial inspiration behind the podcast came from a uh, the run of a US congresswoman, wasn't it, Alex? Uh, it was a documentary series called She's Running. And She's Running um, followed the career of a lady who was running for the Congress, whose name, I've forgotten her surname now, so well done. I, c I could have bluffed it there. I could have just Googled it. Uh, and then... Uh, but we do things authentically on Things Can Only Get Banter. Indeed. Um, hang on. 
We can always scrap this part in the edit. Or we can leave this in for the audience for playful banter. Yeah, playful banter and definitely not incompetence. Yeah, this is this is the uh, the great uh, sort of the, the the great debate. Katie Hill, there we go. Rest. So there was a documentary called "She's Running" by Katie Hill, which um, chronicled the campaign of Katie Hill, who was um, had never stood for political office for as she ran for a, to be a Democratic candidate. Um, for Congress, and it was a very interesting documentary series that showed how a uh, kind of first-time candidate uh, kind of broke into a congressional race and disrupted the system somewhat. Obviously, Michael is not running for Congress; he's running for the local council. But I think that could be equally interesting because, shockingly, not—I know it's hard to believe, listeners—but not many people ha- know how local government of the UK works, and I think that includes most people who are elected officials in local government. Wouldn't you say, Michael? That's, that's very true, actually. Um, so when Alex kind of pitched this idea to me, I, I'd long had uh, ideas of doing a politics podcast myself. And then Alex and I have been close friends for four years. And we both have an interest in history and politics. And when I sort of told him that I was running for local government and he came to me and pitched me this idea of doing a podcast my, my first thought here was, how can I benefit from this? Monetarily, what can I what can I get from Michael's campaign was clearly Alex's first objective. Uh, his second, however, was creating a good podcast about uh, how local government works, what it's like to be a councillor if I am elected, or just to be a candidate if I'm not. Um, and just to tell the real sort of story of what local government is like, what it's like running for local government, and combine this with our interest in national politics and the political system. Um, I think the idea behind the podcast is we're going to be discussing not just my run and the things I'm doing on a a week-to-week basis, but we're also going to be getting into the grips of uh, political issues in the United Kingdom and globally. Uh, We'll be talking about things like the electoral system, uh, the state of play in the national parties, and what can really be done to improve political discourse in the United Kingdom today. But for the next few weeks in the lead up to the local elections, I do believe we will primarily be focusing on my own campaign and the state of play in the United Kingdom ahead of those elections. That is entirely correct, yes. So, uh we're probably going to have two episodes come out before Michael's election. And then we're going to have a special election night special where I will be on the ground in Merton watching the votes as they come in. I'm sure it will be much like great events in electoral history, 1945 general election, uh, 2008 US presidential election, uh, the last North Korean general election, obviously, uh, Kim Jong-un got uh, 100% of the vote as usual. So, uh, uh, yeah, I I will be there to witness the historic occasion and we'll have a little uh, post-election discussion and see how things have panned out and see if the... Any if... Oh, sorry, Michael, do do go on. 
And before every podcast, Alex and I will be making a plan, a very rough plan of what we're going to be discussing that week. And Alex will be leading most of the questions, certainly on things such as my campaign. And then we'll be going more into sort of a nice discussion of a political topic that we've chosen to talk about that week. And we're hoping as the podcast goes on, if it does prove to be a success, to even bring in some special guests to talk with us every now and again. We should point out that this was actually the second attempt at recording a podcast because the first attempt did not go very well. So for those gold tier uh, Patreon supporters out there, perhaps one day you will be able to download our first episode from the archives. And by the way, if there's any potential sponsors out there, we are willing to do anything for money. Well, I am willing to do anything for money. Michael is bound by um, moral local government rules local government rules but i will shill for anyone to make this podcast a success so if you're listening raid shadow legends or possibly nord vpn um what's the uh, what's the what's the food subscription box that people hello fresh uh or audible and if you please get to our gold tier on patreon we may even let you listen to our cheeky song about david cameron <laughs> less said about that the better okay michael Um, I think it's probably about time that uh, I pose you some questions about what the hell are you doing? So we're going to have a little introduction to local elections in the UK. So, Michael, what on earth is happening this year and why? On May the 5th, we will be having local elections in different parts of the United Kingdom. Uh, The reason why it's not on May the 4th is because uh, they were concerned that would uh, be an advantage to Senator Palpatine and... The, uh, Imperial the Conservatives Party. would win. <laughs> yes. Uh, so May the 5th. May the 5th, Thursday. Uh, it's a historic reason, um, which I can't explain right now, but nearly every election that happens in the United Kingdom happens on a Thursday. Uh, you'd have to go back in time to work out why, but it's something we can explore in future podcasts, I'm sure. Uh, well, the simple answer to that, Michael, is that because if you hold an election on a Friday, people get drunk and they don't vote. Or if you have a historian like Alex, he can tell you the reason. So local elections are happening on May the 5th in parts of England, in Wales and Scotland. Northern Ireland will be having their assembly elections where they elect their representatives to Stormont. Um, But local elections happen every year here in the United Kingdom, but different parts of the country go to vote for their local council at different times. This year we see London, Wales and Scotland all going to vote for their local councils. And you also have parts of the North and Midlands, parts of that all important and well discussed Red Wall that Labour famously lost in the 2019 general election and that Keir Starmer and the Labour Party will be desperately looking for signs of recovery of in these local elections. Excellent. So who can vote in these elections, Michael? So you can vote in these local elections if you are a British, Irish, Commonwealth or European Union citizen. You can vote from the age of 18 in England and the ages of 16 in Scotland and Wales. Excellent. And uh, the all important million dollar question here. Why are they important? Why are local elections important? Well, I think a good question to sort of say to sort of ask 
when you think of what why are local elections important is well what does your local council do what decisions do local councils get say over uh, if you're in a county council, for example, there are various different types, I should preface this, of council in the United Kingdom. If you are on a county council, one of the things they get to decide for your county is transport issues. Um, across the board here in the United Kingdom, most councils will have a say over things such as education, planning permission, waste management, social care for both adults and for children. Uh, despite the various different types of council, all councillors are making roughly the same decisions on local issues that impact local communities. So you're really going to see the most change at community level from decisions that your local council take. So it is very important to see who you want making decisions in your local area. Um, but you know, each of the parties, they have their own sort of ideology, their own sort of ideas about the local area. You know you're going to get roughly a, a centre-left policies from a Labour council, centre-right policies from a Conservative council. Um, we can get more into what centre-left and centre-right means as the podcasts go on. But there are going to be big differences between the sort of services you get under a Labour council and the sort of services you get under a Conservative council. But what we do nationally uh, when it comes to local elections is we really try and extrapolate what local election results mean for the parties in national politics. Now, particularly in a year like this one, where we've had things like Partygate and in recent weeks, uh, Rishi Sunak's tax fiasco, uh, we've had the war in Ukraine. And people are really going to be looking to see how these things are cost of living crisis. Yes, something that comes up on the doorstep nearly every day now um, when I talk to voters is the cost of living crisis. It's things are really spiraling out of control. And what broadcasters, political pundits are going to want to be looking at from what they're going to want to extrapolate from these local election results is are voters going to punish the government for these perceived failures or are they going to sort of say, well, COVID happened and, you know, so is the current state of play, the current politics going on, is it going to translate into a poor result for the Conservatives and can Labour capitalise on it? Or is the Conservative election machine going to pull through for them once again? That is what a lot of broadcasters will be looking at come May the 6th when these election results come out. Excellent. Thank you very much, Michael. So um, just moving on slightly, um, can you tell us a little bit about your political journey? So how did you come into politics? So I first joined the Labour Party in 2015 um, after Labour's defeat at the general election. I very much had always had an interest in politics, but I'd never been tied to any particular party. I could see strengths and flaws in each party. However, in 2015, I was about to start my second year in university and George Osborne announced that he was scrapping maintenance grants for students. Such a lovely man. And this was something that had not been in 
the Conservative manifesto just a couple of months before the election. So when George Osborne suddenly turned around and announced that he was scrapping maintenance grants, I felt that was a real betrayal of what the Conservatives had promised going into the 2015 election. And it made me really angry. I come from a working class household and without maintenance grants, there was nowhere I would have been able to afford to go to university. And it really felt unfair to me that these grants were being stripped away from future working class students such as myself and possibly preventing them from going to university and trying to pursue a good future for themselves. And I've always been a bit of a pragmatist. And when I found out the Conservatives had taken on this policy, I decided, I guess I'm a Labour voter now. I guess I support Labour. And so I joined the Labour Party. I got involved with various different campaigns. I volunteered on campaigns for various politicians um, in the Labour Party, such as Sadiq Khan. And then once the 2017 general election came around, I actively got involved campaigning in my first election. Uh, I campaigned in the seat of Croydon Central, uh, which at the time was a very close marginal held by the Conservative Gavin Barwell by about 150 votes, which we managed to flip to a Labour seat in the 2017 general election um, to about a Labour majority of, I believe, about 5,000 votes for the Labour candidate Sarah Jones, which was on election night a real walloping achievement. It was really great to to see and that's that's how I really got started in politics um I my politics became quite center left label was my natural home and I just became more interested and more inspired to sort of try and get a labor government to improve the country that I live in and naturally as some progression happened I, I've ended up where I am now though we can go into that in a second Excellent. And uh, if the audience wants to know my political uh, inspiration, we can save that for a bonus episode for Patreon donors. Now, Michael, uh, can you tell us about why you thought running for the council would be a good outlet for your political... Well, I, I say political ambitions, but we'll say political aspirations and desire for change. Why did you think the council was a good avenue to uh, kind of pursue these changes that you wanted to see in society. So when you're the member of a political party, uh, you're at some point you are going to get an email asking you to stand for election. Now, most people are completely uninterested in doing this. Um, and I got one of these such emails in 2018. Um, Merton Labour were looking for candidates to stand before their local elections. And at the time, I, I'd done, I'd campaigned, I'd volunteered on campaigns such as Sadiq Khan's, I'd campaigned actively in the 2017 general election. I had a real interest in politics, um, to the point that it was something I was talking about nearly daily. Um, it became a real part of my personality. And I got this email and I just started thinking, this is this is something I could do. And I, I started talking to to just friends and family and they were like, well, well, why don't you stand? You you've always you've always got opinions on politics. You've got opinions on your local area. Why don't you stand and try and put those into practice? 
Now, I put my my application forward in 2018, um, and I had a panel interview for Labour to see whether I'd be a suitable candidate. And though I was I was deemed uh, a nice person, um, I did go in quite quite ignorant. Oh, that, that's that, 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 that's depressing, Michael. That's like a, a dating fail getting rejected by the Labour Party. Oh, it's a, you, 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 a little you're, bit. You're, it's, it's like you're, 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 a, you're a lovely you're a lovely person, but I don't want to counsel. You want, don't want you to be my counsellor. It's, it's like going on going on two dates with someone you meet on Tinder and then realizing you really don't want a third. Um, <laughs> and isn't I swear someone like Michael Gove is on Bumble now, isn't he, or something? Um, but the experience made me realise more and more that despite the fact that I was, I just didn't have enough knowledge about the role of a local councillor and what a local council does. Um, they said that I was a good candidate, I had inspiring ideas, but ultimately I just didn't have enough experience, I didn't know enough. And at that point, I decided, okay, so I want to stand again in four years. Uh, I, want to, I want to run in 2022 as a Labour candidate. And to really prepare for this, I got much more involved with my local party, not just campaigning nationally, like in 2019, but I campaigned in the local elections in 2018. I campaigned in Wandsworth in the West Hill Ward, where we managed to flip two previously Tory seats to Labour. And then I actually got involved with my local Cricket Green Ward uh, Labour Party, um, I stood as the organiser for the ward in 2020, uh, just before COVID hit. Uh, there wasn't much organising to be done then. Uh, and from that, I sort of got the necessary experience. I learned more about my local community, learned more about how local politics worked. And it led to where I am now. I did the same application, the same interview, late 2021 to stand as a candidate in 2022. Uh, much more successful this time. I, I, I definitely knew what I was talking about. And they gave me permission to stand. I put myself forward for Cricket Green, which is the ward where I grew up. And our membership, who I spoke to on the ground, were absolutely wonderful they decided to put their trust and faith in me as one of their Labour candidates, and I am now officially the candidate. My real pitch to them was I wanted to help the area that I grew up in. I want to inspire more young people to get involved in politics, and the best way to do that is to stand myself, become a good example, and show that you can make change on the ground. And the, But the only way to do that is to get involved. And so that's what I decided to do. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Michael. You almost almost broke through my uh, shell of bitter cynicism there into the gooey core beneath. That's so, what we try and do here in local politics. Yay. And uh, what, are you, what are you hoping to achieve um, if you get elected as a councillor in Cricket Green? So... Like I said, my main reason for standing was really to inspire more young people to get involved in politics. I mean, people often people not really aware of major politics who, you know, they, they go to vote in like national elections. Lots of my friends 
colleagues, all in their mid-20s. They, There's a lot of... There's a real lack of knowledge out there about politics. You know, I get a question like, why Why do Labour keep losing? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question. And one because that we're asked, shit. <laughs> thank you, Alex. Uh, not trying to inspire voters here. Um, but... Well, I can convince, real... convince me otherwise, Michael. <laughs> well, if you'd have gone on Twitter during the 2019 general election, you would have expected uh, a Jeremy Corbyn landslide. Michael, if you'd have gone on Twitter during the 2019 general election, you'd have wanted to have cut your wrists. But uh, do go on. Yes, well, that is the state of political discourse on social media. But my point stands that social media is not real life. And people often live in a bubble. I get people from my age group wondering how the hell Leave won the EU referendum when they're like, every single person they spoke to voted Remain. And I was kind of like, you live in London. You live in a major city. And that city is a bubble. To those of us in cities across the UK, we are unrepresentative of the United Kingdom as a whole. It's one of these things where the main conservative demographic is older people. The main Labour demographic is younger people. But younger people do not vote in the same numbers as older people. It's a, it's a known fact of politics. And when you, as the Conservative Party, can rely on such a high number of votes from older people... And Labour are relying from far fewer number of votes from young people. Labour will not win the election. Labour cannot win by inspiring young people alone. You have to win some of the older demographic over to you. It's why the 2017 general election came as such a shock to as to many people. Um, we had a 2017 general election which resulted in a hung parliament when all the polls had predicted uh, a Tory landslide. And that was largely because the polls were working on the assumption that young people wouldn't vote. And in 2017, young people came out in record numbers to vote for Labour. But that was the exception, not the norm. And in order to convince more young people to turn out to vote, you have to put people out there who are going to inspire them. You have to have more young people stand for office. And that's one of the reasons I decided to stand myself. I wanted to make a real change in my local community and not just not just be a symbol for young people, but really make a positive change. Uh, I wanted to be a point of contact for people in the local community. So much of local government is just pointing people in the right direction, helping them get through countless emails and responses that lead to nothing, but cutting through that and pointing you right to the right person. My pitch to my local membership was I wanted to create sustainable infrastructure in my ward that was more than just charity shops, betting shops and chicken shops. I know being in South London, saying anything that's, against... that, that's a controversial move, Michael. Yeah, I to know. Go, go, go against the chicken shops there. I know. I know if, you know me, I love a Morley's, but when every second shop on a street corner is a chicken shop, it becomes ridiculous. So I really wanted to build sustainable infrastructure in my community. 
I wanted to protect the green spaces we had because one thing we do really well in Merton is our green spaces and they were especially useful during the pandemic. So I wanted to protect the green spaces we have and build more. And I wanted to improve services for young people across our borough because they've been stuck inside for two years and they're just ridiculously neglected. So my main pitch was infrastructure, environment and the young. And that seemed to resonate with our membership because they selected me as one of the three Labour candidates. Very good. Once again, my, my cynical shell has been somewhat breached there. So that was uh, Michael Butcher, Youth Idol there. Okay, so I think we'll, we'll just, for the end of this episode, we're just going to switch to uh, have a more of a broad look about the local elections very briefly and have a look at uh, current polling. So what are things looking like in the uh, polls for Labour at the moment? Because it's, to, to, from what I've seen, it's looking like slim Labour gains. I think that is probably an accurate projection. That 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 seems to be a pretty um, pretty standard picture across the board, from what I'm so, seeing in the poll. So don't get me wrong. When it comes to politics, parties are always trying to play down expectations. At least the Labour and the Conservative Party are. The Liberal Democrats nearly always hype up <laughs> expectations. Um, but yes, only the Liberal Democrats can win here. Oh, dodgy bar charts. It wouldn't be a local election <laughs> without the Liberal Democrats and dodgy bar charts. Uh, so current polling. So the local election campaign kicked off on the 28th of March. And when it kicked off, it showed a small lead in the national polls for Labour of about 4%. If there was a general election tomorrow, it showed that Labour would get roughly 39%, the Conservatives 35%. Um, now, in the last couple of weeks, uh, the Conservatives had been hoping that the coverage of Ukraine would dominate the, the airwaves and there might be a slimming of that poll lead. But as of today, the poll lead has actually increased for Labour on average to a lead of 5%. If there was a general election tomorrow, Labour would get 40%. The is, 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 your conspira- is your conspiracy theory here that... Uh... Boris Johnson paid for the invasion of Ukraine so he could hold on to Hartlepool. <laughs> Not quite. Is that what you are <laughs> suggesting, Michael? My my long term conspiracy is that Boris Johnson is the one leaking all these stories about Rishi Sunak <laughs> to stop him challenging them. But I I do think probably the reason for Labour's admittedly small increase since the campaign has begun is largely the the news about Rishi Sunak, his wife, and everything going on there. The, how reliable is this polling? Well, this is polling done for national so, politics. So, so before before we um, sort of go on slightly, it should. It's also is important to mention that we're talking about England when we say slim Labour lead in Scotland. The polls are all suggesting that the SNP are going to annihilate all before them. As they have done every year since 2015. Um, Indeed, but I should say this is this is United. This is 
well, not United Kingdom. We often don't poll Northern Ireland. Um, but this is Great Britain polling. However, you've got to remember that Scotland is only a small subsample of that. So when you say that the SNP are only going to win about 3% of the vote or whatever, you've got to remember that Scotland only counts for about 6% of the UK's total vote. So the SNP winning 3% is about half the vote of all of Scotland. So that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, so if, if we're looking for the... Um, look at the latest election polling for Scotland. So this, for example... I believe it's something like SNP 45, Labour 24, Conservatives 18. You're, you're, you're really good at this, Michael. You should go into politics because... Um... <laughs> I'm a nerd when it comes to polling. Well, I'm a nerd yeah, when so, it comes so, to politics in general. So, so the, the ipsos Mori poll that I'm looking at now, it is saying that 44% of all first preference votes in the council elections on the 5th of May will go to the SNP. Labour will get about 23% and the Scottish Conservatives will get about 18%. So, oh, that, I was only off by one point for Labour. Well, yeah, you are, you're, you're, you're pretty good. Um, but it should be stated that mm-hmm. in Scotland they use a different voting system for local elections than we use in England and Wales. England and Wales use the first-past-the-post system which we use in general elections which is who whoever gets the most votes in the area winner takes all seats um they use a slightly different system in scotland but i think we have an episode plan in the future to talk about voting systems and we can definitely get into that yeah definitely so just just looking at some welsh polling as well um things also are looking bucking... pretty good for drakeford well yes also bucking uh, the UK average trend, but in a more optimistic way for Labour. So uh, in Wales, Labour look like they're going to absolutely wipe the floor with everything. Mark, Mark Drakeford, Drakeford, the uh, sort First of granddad, Wales. The, the godfather of Wales, um, on all-time uh, high of popularity, uh, looks like he's going to take um, the largest Labour lead in Wales in local election history. Local election history, by the looks of things, yes. So Labour are projected to win 39% of the vote. Uh, the Conservatives are well down on 26%. Um, that, is, Ply- that is astonishingly good for for Welsh Labour. Le- considering at the 2019 general election, Labour had their worst result in Wales since 1983. If there was a general election tomorrow, they might have their their best result since 1997, when the Conservatives didn't win a single seat in Wales. So the fact that Welsh Labour have been able to turn that around in just three years is pretty damn impressive. And full credit to to Mark Drakeford and the Labour government in Wales. And I think... The assembly election for Northern Ireland is going to need its own episode because that that is a whole different can of... uh... Well, luckily, we have one of our hosts, and it's not me, who is an expert at discussing Northern Irish politics. Ha! Then I can... It is my time to shine on that one, and we're going to be taking it back to the English invasion of Ireland in 1167. No, yay, no, before, we shall go back to the campaign of Brian Baru against the Vikings at the Battle of Clontarf 
in 1014. Run, run now. Run now, listeners. No, no, the doors have been locked. There is no escaping from this Irish history rabbit hole. But so on a different if we take it back episode. To, um, if we take it back to polling just quickly. So at the moment, nationally, the picture looks like a small lead for Labour, a 5% lead, um, if we were having a general election tomorrow. But we're not having a general election tomorrow. We are having local elections in a few weeks, and they will give us a much better picture of how the country is going to vote. Because local elections are often used to measure a barometer for national elections. Um, Of course, you elect people based on local issues to do local things, but people will often vote on national politics, even in a local election. I mean, I... I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna interject and say one very quick other thing about Northern Ireland. Now, in 1689, the uh, okay, so um, the the different thing about the election coming up in Northern Ireland is that it is an assembly election, so it is an election for the devolved parliament. So it is a very different beast to the other elections which are going on in the rest of the UK and yes. may have a very profound influence on the future of not only Northern Ireland, but also the island of Ireland. But we don't have three hours to discuss it, so we will save that for the That is going to be very interesting. By... We should yes. mention that local council elections, every area in the United Kingdom has local councils and elects local councils to deal with things like education, planning permission, Waste management. Politics. I think you mean education, education, education. <laughs> Alexa, play things can only get better. Um, but what I sort of mean is, we we just started talking about devolved administrations there. So so places like London, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, they all have devolved administrations which have some say over uh, the politics of those areas. London is not a nation. London is not a nation. Well, no, but, you know, we have a mayor of London who has powers. We have a London assembly who holds him to account. What I'm trying to say is there are various different types of elections and various different types of power. Um, But what these polls are predicting is national. What you would, the result you would expect to see at a general election. Um, Essentially. Indeed. Right. Well, I think that is as good a place as any to uh, call an end to tonight's proceedings. I think before I end up discussing um, Northern Ireland, the Cromwellian conquest, uh, the Great Famine, the rise of Daniel O'Connell, Jerry Adams and his sexy beard. I hope we haven't scared you off, listeners. Please return for episode two. I'll be talking It'll be... about my own campaign. It'll be fun. You can get get to see what insights Michael gets on the doorstep and how many people have mooned him, flashed him, offered him cake. Which I think is actually, I think legally you have to turn down cake, don't you? Or is it I just can't... that you're not, you're not allowed to offer cake? We're not, we're definitely not allowed to offer offer sweet treats because it is by electoral law seen as bribery to offer sweet treats um, but you would be allowed to but if, if, if an old lady offered you a cake that wouldn't be seen as unduly influencing a no no when, it, when it's offered to you i believe that's fine 
I've been offered plenty of plenty of cups of tea, no cakes yet. Um, what what, what the about occasional uh, biscuit? What good good biscuits? Are we talking like a penguin bar? Um, more just sort of your your digestives, your McVitie's cookies, you know. So so not not like not like a Fox's biscuit selection that's got one of those sort of knockoff jammy dodgers in it and um no kind no of knockoff pre- jammy dodgers as of yet pre- pretzel, pretzel shaped thing covered in chocolate and but uh, okay we, but i'll I stop talking keep, about biscuits keep, i definitely keep the listeners updated of the kind of biscuits i get offered on the doorstep as i I'm mean, currently going out my, knocking on michael four times a week th- what we need to find out i think on election night i'll go and speak to the conservative candidate and if we know that he's been given wagon wheels we know that in that case he's probably going to win <laughs> well on the next episode, our plan is currently to give you a better overview of what these local elections look like. We're going to be looking at the state of play, not only in my ward in Cricket Green or my borough of Merton as a whole, but across London, where I have some insight. And going to be trying to talk about what we expect to see in Wales, Scotland, and the all-important Red Wall, where Labour are desperate to make gains and the Conservatives are desperate to show that they can hold on to the North, despite Boris Johnson's <laughs> incompetence possibly preventing that and uh, we also have the special Northern Ireland episode to look forward to before the elections which will hopefully drop at some point in the next three weeks and, uh, it may just be us we might see if we can find a guest of some sort but uh, we'll leave you hanging on that one right we'll listeners definitely, we'll definitely be having some guests over the, over the course of this podcast but for the next few weeks, expect it to be very local election focused. Lovely. Right. Well, we should call an end to tonight's proceedings then. So good night, listeners, or good morning, good or good lunchtime, whatever time you're listening to this podcast. I've been Alex. I have been Michael Bush. Michael, can you remember your name? Good. You've remembered your name. And you've been listening to Things, Things Can, can um, only, get only Get Banter. We will get good. better at doing that, I promise. If you give us money on Patreon, we will get better. Right, good. And we'll goodbye. also sing the David Cameron song. Goodbye. David Cameron is up. A-